Hey everyone, welcome back to Real Talk NFT, where we talk all things Web3. Super excited here today to have on the founders of Supermojo. We have Amir Sahanji and Craig DeWitt here. Um, there's so much to talk about uh, about your background, so I'm just going to hand it over to you and let you do uh, just a brief background about yourself and kind of what inspired you to get into NFT specifically, because you guys have vast experience you know, in the crypto world. Yes, Joe, great to be on, on the show. Um, I'll kick it off. Uh, this is my third startup. Uh, the Before coming to Supermojo and starting it, I was at uh, Ripple, where that's where I met Craig. Uh, I was there for about four years, uh, and we did a lot of great stuff. I'll let Craig talk more about that. And prior to Ripple, I was at Google, where my last company was uh, acquired by them. Uh, that became the default messaging on all Android phones. So that was a ton of fun. We That's now over a billion users, uh, active users. Uh, yeah, so that kind of led me to do something totally new and jumped into the, in the, in the world of crypto. Uh, and then uh, after spending about four years at Ripple and uh, doing it quite a bit in the kind of the enterprise space, uh, Craig and I started playing around with NFTs. And at mm. first, you know, it was one of those things where you kind of wonder what you know how much of it was real, um, and once once we understood the power of them, it just you couldn't stop kind of talking about it. So, um, and one of the things we saw early on was that uh, very similar to crypto, at first when you start working, you know, and touching NFTs, you realize how complex it is and how difficult it is for a non-user to even be able to, um, you know buy one or hold one and then be able to even interact with it. And that's kind of where, when the light kind of went on for us to say, look, we've got to, we got to help bring more infrastructure in this space and make it much, much simpler for users to be able to adopt. And in a very similar way that today, you know, you can go and buy Bitcoin or ETH without really having much knowledge about crypto. Uh, so that's, that's how we, uh, I got started. Uh, I'll let uh, Craig give his, background yeah also super excited to be on the uh, on the show so I um, I graduated uh, Berkeley in 2010 ish and went to work at at, uh, at Bloomberg this is right kind of at the tail end of the financial crisis mm. and so I went to Bloomberg because I, I like the idea of transparency and building tools that allow people to understand what's going on in the financial space um, and it was there that I found Bitcoin or the early pieces of Bitcoin and just immediately fell in love with this concept of a distributed, a distributed monetary value that's not controlled by like by humans, right? It's like mm -hmm. it's trustable, it's verifiable with math. Um, so I went to Stanford, um, get an MBA after that. And when I was there, uh, I met the founder of Ripple. This was like 2014, who was actually trying to apply, um, trying to apply a concept of digital assets to actual real world utility. In their case, mostly, mostly uh, cross border payments. And so um, I was one of the first PMs there, really built up the, the, the payments business there, turned that into what it is today, a multi-billion dollar uh, business, billions and billions in terms of volume. Um, met Amir there and started playing around with NFTs, um, probably like 2019-ish. Originally, I thought they were kind of stupid. <laughs> I thought they were JPEGs, right? And that's not what that's not what blockchain's for. Blockchain's for payments and digital money and digital cash. And all of a sudden, I kind of realized that... Um, you know, the thing wasn't the thing. It's not about the JPEG. It's about uh, a testable ownership on chain that can unlock utility 
either digitally or in the real world. And that light went off with a couple collections that I was kind of playing around with earlier. And it's, oh man, I'm just having flashbacks to 2014 when I kind of first fell in love with crypto. Um, and I think all of that same kind of mechanisms are there for this explosion of utility and NFTs. Um, so yeah, that's why I got with Amir and uh, started Supermojo. That's awesome. You guys definitely must have seen something to leave, you know, the cryptocurrency world, as you mentioned, with vast experience and also conducting billions of dollars in sale with your previous company. So there's, there must be something over here. So I, I'm pretty glad I chose the right space also. <laughs> uh, they're a little bit different than you guys. I worked in the domain name industry for about 11 years in Silicon Valley, handling Fortune 500 companies and a million dollar domain name portfolio. So security was top of mind for myself. But to your point, Craig, uh, the, the joy I felt from NFTs for, for myself, I got into NBA Top Shop. I know we were talking about basketball a little bit earlier. And this, it, re it really connected me with the fan base locally. I talked to friends I haven't spoken to in 10 years. I got to meet athletes I would have never met. I met Kevon Looney at a NBA Top Shop NFT event. I was swinging golf with J.R. Smith, who's the enemy, of course. But, you know, it, it was just a very joyful time. And back in, it sounded like a long time ago, but it was 2021, 2022, when you know, NFTs was, you know, uh, on all, everyone's headlines, if you didn't have NFTs, you know, you were not doing the right thing by your company. Uh, and, you know, flip the page 2023, you know, you can't even use the word NFTs today. It has to be, you know, digital assets, Web3. We have to change the link a little bit. Uh, but I found the user experience very easy. Maybe that's why I kind of slipped into it, uh, uh, you know, more so than other people through MBA Top Shop. And you guys are looking to bring that same usability uh, and UX to the average person because besides NBA Top Shop, it's like a nightmare. It's <laughs> collecting NFTs is, uh, and I saw a tweet that you guys put out that you said the next million NFT holders may not ever own crypto. And I was like, oh, I can't wait for that to happen. And that's something that I think NBA Top Shop did really well. They just swiped a credit card. So tell us about what you're creating here in Supermojo. I know there's a, lot, a couple moving parts there, but I'm sure you can break it down easier for us. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, in fact, NBA Top Shots was an inspiration in terms of how easy that experience looks like because they can bring all the pieces together, um, both for the creator and uh, the consumer. Similarly, with us, we wanted that to be enabled for everybody. One of the things early on and the reason we got so excited about this space was because really when you look at NFTs, there's so many different categories that they get applied to, whether it's music, uh, sports, um, and, and the list just keeps going. Authenticity of luxury goods, um, real estate. And for that to be a reality, it has to be very simple, but also it needs to be able to go to anyone's experience. Meaning if I have a storefront or if I have a uh, essentially a website, I should be able to bring that easy experience into my own brand, uh, especially the bigger brands, really want you know to own that experience. So mm -hmm. that's what we're doing at Supermojo is we're making it extremely simple by providing an easy on-ramp. And by that, we mean being able to use your credit card to purchase the NFT. Once you've purchased that NFT, we automatically create a wallet experience for you. So as a user, you don't have to worry about um, understanding how to even uh, work with MetaMask or a uh, essentially a non-custodial wallet where you own the secret keys. Here, it's just like entering any other, um, like your bank account where you just use your username and password to enter. Um, and so in a very similar way, we automatically create that experience for you. We put the NFT in, in, in the wallet and allow you to be able to interact with it very easily. So that, uh, that experience can be delivered to any user and any creator can take this experience and use our uh, SDK essentially 
to enable it within their website. So as a creator, one of the things uh, that's important here is that you don't actually have to understand even how to deal with cryptocurrency because mm-hmm. a lot of times with a lot of products, you ha- uh, you know, creators have to know uh, how to deal with ETH or ha- how to have an ETH wallet to be able to accept payments. With us, really, we're taking um, fiat cur- currency from the user using a credit card and we're delivering fiat or ETH or stablecoin to a creator or a brand, uh, making it extremely simple for them. I see. So in the background, you guys do all the hard heavy lifting. Is there a particular chain that you guys are on now, though? That's a pretty general question that a lot of artists or creators ask. Yeah. So um, like the, the chains that, that we support, ETH and now Polygon are, are two big um, two big chains that we support. The other one just based on our, our background coming from Ripple is um, we're one of the, let's say, the large players on the XRPL chain, which is just mm-hmm. kind of getting off the ground in terms of NFT support. Yeah, I saw that they had a, a huge fund for her NFTs at NFT San Francisco. Uh, so definitely I've seen so many chains that I haven't ever heard of uh, with a lot of key collaboration. So that's something really key is just finding, you know, the right partnerships. And I know you guys have had a recent launch. I, I think it was recent. Uh, can you tell us about that? Uh, hopefully I'm pronouncing this right. Justin Bua, he had a, he has a metaverse, an entire metaverse with you guys. Can you tell us about that and kind of like the biggest takeaways there? Yeah. So Justin Bua is um, an, an awesome artist. And, you know, w- when you're talking about kind of your experience of getting to meet these creators that you otherwise wouldn't meet, that's been our case in the NFT space. So we've met a lot of really cool people. Justin is, uh, you know, near the top in terms of those great interactions. Um, He is really big within the hip hop community of bringing a really style of classical art to these hip hop scenes. And so um, if you haven't heard of his name before, chances are that, especially in the Bay Area, you've seen his art. Um, uh, Mm. Images of the DJ, the MC, um, the boom box, like very cultural art. And what he has done is he's bringing those characters to life via NFTs. Um, the vision there is beyond just putting kind of art on the blockchain, which is cool. And I think he'd be successful at he's really building the opportunity of using those assets to get access to a wider world of the Buaverse. And so his initial launch with us uh, allowed card purchases of these assets uh, okay. without a wallet required, which is key because, you know, he knows his he knows his user base and his customer base very, very well. Um, the overlap with crypto folks close to zero, right? And so the ability of actually having easy card, um, easy wallet, and importantly, safe, because he knows like if somebody connected their wallet, like they'd probably get wiped out, which is another, you know, terrible like aspect we got to fix in this space that I have, you know, direct experiences with um, is a key piece of our solution. I see. And as an artist, we know there's a, it's a hot topic today with marketplaces I know that you guys are probably a proponent for helping um, creators um, maybe secure the royalties. Can you, can you give us your thoughts about that? Because it's a hot topic. Yeah, it is a, it is a hot topic. Um, and I think what, what you're seeing right now in these aggregate marketplaces, the, those kind of eventually go to zero. I don't mm-hmm. really see a way around it because um, really the customer there are, um, is the demand side taker volume that takes place. The, the solution that I see there, because creator royalties are critical if you're going to create an actual uh, use case here, um, bespoke marketplaces is where I see that market going to where they can actually control what the royalties are. Um, I, I think of the world today is kind of like what the early days of the Internet is. I think mm-hmm. Blur and, and Coinbase, I mean, Blur and, um, and OpenSea are awesome businesses. 
But it's like early days of eBay. The entire digital world is not going to trade on those um, are, are not going to trade on those marketplaces. Eventually, people are going to own their own experiences. And I can see somebody like Justin really easily having their own marketplace. And if you want to trade his content, that's where you go. And a good example of that actually just announced is Roblox. Um, Roblox now allows creators um, to set their royalties up to 10%. Mm. Um, and as, as that gets traded within the Roblox ecosystem, uh, they're, you know, they'll continue to make that 10%. So that, I think that's interesting, even though it's not your, you know, hardcore NFT uh, crypto uh, ecosystem, but that is the type of ecosystem that starts setting the precedence for exactly what Craig is talking about, which is these vertical marketplaces that will essentially be able to demand royalties at a, at a certain, you know, at a certain um, uh, price point. So uh, I think that that's going to continue to be important. And then that will, I think, force the the larger uh, marketplaces to be able to adhere so they can compete because they're, they're going to see a lot of um, kind of specific specialized NFTs moving away from, from their marketplaces. Understood. Yeah. My opinion is always for royalties because I see I'm not a creator, but I think everyone is has turned on a creative brain through the art renaissance of NFTs that kind of pushed it forward. And I'm thinking now, like, what can I produce out there? Uh, hopefully one day this podcast will have this own ecosystem, metaverse and, and tokenomics. So I, for one, support royalties also because I want to support the artists as well. And I'm all for that. And I'm interested on your thoughts about just kind of the like immutability of the data files, because uh, recently uh, on Talks of Royalties, I'm not sure if you've heard of Goblin Town. <laughs> this is a project that was free to mint. Yeah. And they changed all the, you know, the, the, the images of the collection to, you know, a big middle finger. <laughs> and the community was not happy about this at all. They meant it as a joke, but it just, it just pointed to the notion of, hey, how immutable is this? And a lot of bullish Bitcoin NFT, you know, maximalists uh, came out and said, this is why Bitcoin NFTs should be the place to be. What's your thoughts on that? Is Bitcoin going to be the next you know, big thing? Like, uh, what's your thoughts on, you know, uh, not saying Justin's going to do it, but let's say he changes his, the images because it could be IPFS and pointed somewhere else. Yeah. So there's, there's various there's various mechanisms. I think there's a lot of various mechanisms to do NFTs right. Um, I mean, you can go as far as not even hosting on IPFS. Like the, you see a lot of stuff that's actually hosted on like AWS. You know what I mean? So there's various levels. There's various levels to that, but it does it does kind of raise a good question of um, the immutability of, of NFTs. There's some folks who who have the right, I'd say, principles and mechanics in place to protect that, and others that are you know just straight up kind of what's called degen trading models, where I don't think people care really, um, just because the the purpose was really uh, in many cases I think just to drive to, to drive value and volume and you know have the greater fool come in and buy the NFT before you, before the bottom falls out. But that said, on, on Bitcoin, I don't know how well that community overall is going to um, accept NFTs. I was really excited by ordinals because at least in the last, you know, four or five years, that was probably the biggest innovation that I've seen on that chain completely, right? And so I'm excited about that, like how much they actually get the, the, the BTC maxis to buy into that. I'm, I'm not so sure. And that's why I have, a, I think, more faith I'm not bearish on BTC NFTs, but more faith in some of these upstart chains that are growing communities from the ground up who are really designed um, to understand which NFTs you know make sense and which don't. 
Yeah, I think I'm diving deeper than the average layperson would even care about, or maybe they don't know, right? <laughs> One day it happens to them, but it is an yeah. issue that you know uh, someone should be aware of, uh, and I don't think many are. <laughs> Com- completely, completely, and a lot of I think a lot of that becomes self policing, and um, hopefully you get a lot less of those those kind of um, mechanisms minted with a lot of eyeballs on eyeballs on them, especially as we get out of kind of the froth. Because it wasn't. I mean, it's funny we're having the the chat today. I look back at prices a year ago. This is pretty close, I want to say, to like the Pico top of the NFT market, uh, April of um, uh, of last year. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like back then, you know, a, a PFP minted hastily, you know, you could actually raise quite a lot of ETH and see a lot of trading from that. I think those days are over. And I think, you know, that's actually a healthy, um, it's actually a healthy thing. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm thinking more from my previous experience in the domain world where, you know, disgruntled employees would change the, you know, uh, where the domains pointed and you have, you know, different images now. So now I'm thinking a disgruntled employee might change the entire collection and point, make it, put an image there that shouldn't be there. So uh, that's, that, that's uh, right. And, and if, if, if you, if you use the, the, the wrong mechanisms, that is a hundred percent possible. Awesome. I mean, well, not awesome, but I, I'm, yeah. I, I think brilliant minds like yourselves are looking to solve that, that problem. So I'm going to leave it up to the experts here. Uh, so, which brings me to the next question. How, how do we onboard, or how do you see the next wave of Web3 users coming in? Like Web2 has been around for decades now and it just came in waves. Um, and someone mentioned gaming as kind of the next big proponent or like the theme of 2023. What are you guys seeing? Yeah, I mean, the thing we're really excited about is, you know, just in the last six months, hundreds of brands have entered this space. And mm-hmm. um, what's been interesting is not just, you know, for them, for most of the brands we're talking to and creators we're talking to, including even Justin, it's about actually, you know, part of it is about reconnecting to the new generation. So Gen A, Gen Z, mm-hmm. most of these generations, I have two kids, nine and 11, you know, they've grown up with everything digital and COVID really even changed that whole that whole model to be even, you know, much faster adoption of digital. So brands are always very paranoid and, and also creators and musicians are always paranoid about losing their base, losing their, you know, being able to attract new um, fans. And so what we are pretty excited about is what's happening in the space and uh, brands are starting to really uh, experiment mm. uh, and they're doing collaborations, not only as their own brand, but that we're working with different, um, you know, uh, musicians and artists to be able to deliver a totally new experience to their to their users, and what's interesting here is that uh, you know previously brands could only really connect through email and or advertise through let's say Google or Instagram to be able to reach new new fans. Now you have a way where you know it's totally different. You're really cutting the the you know middle people and going directly and being able to connect in ways that you couldn't connect before, being able to deliver experiences, whether it's a token-gated experience where users can leverage the NFT to do something totally new, or, you know, for example, having, um, you know, physical goods delivered to them because they own a particular uh, mm-hmm. NFT. Uh, and I was, I was actually watching one of your episodes, the one with the Warriors, where obviously those fans, uh, you know, uh, the, the fans from uh, Top Shots were there, you know, getting all kinds of goodies. So 
you know, those kinds of real experiences, those VIP experiences before were not really accessible to the average person. Now it's much more, it's much different because now everybody knows the rules of the game because owning that NFT really um, allows you to be on the same kind of level as anyone else that, that owns it. Um, whereas before you kind of don't know how to access those types of capabilities. So I think that's what's pretty exciting for us is as we're starting to see brands experiment, you're starting to see you know, certain use cases uh, do really well. Certain use cases um, may not do as well, but in that learning process, I think um, other uh, brands are getting more, more interested and are starting getting into uh, and wanting to experiment. So that's pretty exciting. Um, also, the fact that, you know, with NFTs, one of the things that brings is, you know, who your early adopters are. You know, you know, as an artist, you know, who was the, you know, first hundred people that bought your painting or or downloaded your music. That's extremely powerful, right? Because um, you start really understanding who, who the real fans are versus uh, people, you know, potentially who are in and out, right? Um, uh, so that also, I think, is something that both brands and creators uh, have never really had access to. Like, who's gone to all the Warrior games? or And actually, there's proof of attendance that they've been there. Um, or who has bought every album that I've produced. Um, and I think those are what really gets us excited about what's, what's about to come. Definitely. That's something that will change a lot of, you know, ways the companies market in the future or, or provide, you know, benefits, like you said. And I'm all for that as a consumer of a lot of things. I spend a lot of money on a lot of things and to be rewarded, like you said, for the NBA Top Shot Warriors, that was just kind of like, you know, uh, the cream on top, which I which, you know, really locks me in deeper with that particular, you know, platform itself. And I patronize it frequently. And I'm probably like a good experiments in use case because uh, I was, I'm not a coffee drinker, but due to the Starbucks NFT experience, I found myself drinking more coffee. <laughs> they provided unlimited coffee for 30 days, which is amazing. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of brands coming in that I haven't seen last year. So I'm, I'm super excited about that. I hope you guys are. And uh, one thing that I've heard uh, actually do an interview that I just did recently is that in the future, you know, with all, uh, with the blockchain data input, like you mentioned, we're going to have just, just new data sets around this where we didn't have before, um, for, you know, companies to utilize. And that's what they want anyways, right? They just want to brainwash people forever anyways, to utilize uh, their product or services. So they, they definitely, I think most companies that have a web three division or else they're just going to be really, really far behind. Um, and I saw a tweet that you guys talked about, about travel, you know, about Marriott, about the Hyatt. And I, I patronize all of those, actually. I have each one of mm -hmm. credit cards. <laughs> and, and I'm using them anyways. But I've been with a lot of these a long time, to your point, right? And if they could, you know, show some benefits, then more to Marriott. I'll put that on my marketing and whatnot. So um, that's super, super exciting. So with all your experience with seeing all these brands come in, and maybe some companies that haven't come in yet, What's the biggest you know problem you would like NFTs to solve or see NFT solving? And, and I'll go first. A ticketing and queuing. <laughs> I was just at the Warriors game. If they have RFID chips, and I'm not sure if you guys have shopped at Uniqlo ever, you could just mm -hmm. put all your clothes. You don't need to even talk to a cash register. They scan everything within that box in Uniqlo, and you pay. And you just walk out. You don't even need to, you know, do a barcode. So 
If they could do that, I'm sure they could just kind of scan us and go go through queues because queues for airplanes, concerts is just ridiculous and you know whatnot. So, uh, but what do you, what are your guys' thoughts? Yeah, so th- I think there's 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 two sides to the market, at least the way that I see them: solving problems for for direct users, which is kind of the the user based experience that you're talking about, and the other side of that is actually solving problems for the the brands themselves. And a big problem, just kind of a meta idea across a bunch of different use cases. A big problem that a lot of these brands have is that they're so far away from their customers that they don't actually know who the customers are. Mm. A great example of that is like you have Coca-Cola, which number like a, a very um, a lot of money goes into that Coca-Cola advertising on a global business. But when you think about the number of intermediaries um, that a Coca-Cola product, like a bottle of Coke, has to go through before it touches the end consumer, Coke doesn't know who their customers are. Right. From the bottlers to the distribution aspects to the wholesalers to the retailers, like it's incredibly difficult for them to actually know who those consumers are. Web3 solves that problem for those brands by allowing a direct interaction between the brand parent co and the user themselves. So like you think about these ideas of users being able to scan barcodes on products that they have um, in the base sense, scan barcodes on products to prove that they've actually enjoyed that product. Now the brand has direct access to their most intense evangelists to be able to reward specific behaviors. And that is so cool from a brand perspective because all of a sudden you don't have to pay Google $500 billion a year to hopefully get your cost per click, you know, mm-hmm. within cents, within dollars really. Now you can actually communicate and direct to folks who are buying your, your your assets directly for new products or experiences. So that is actually a huge problem that is solved by these mega internet companies like Facebook and, and Google today, um, which is a very wide net. And that is a problem that I think is overlooked a lot of times because we think a lot about the retail-based experiences, but that's the kind of stuff that gets me excited because that's a, that's a trillion dollar problem mm. um, and one that I think can be solved by NFT tech. From a, from, from a user perspective, what I get excited about is uh, you know, I, I'm also, I collect a lot of points. So <laughs> I have United points uh, because I've traveled a lot and I also, you know, Marriott and others. I think one of the things that as a, as a consumer is missing today is just transparency um, around the value of those points, right? Mm. Uh, as a, right now, like for example, prices of, um, or, you know, prices of tickets have gone up tremendously. I don't know if you've tried to buy tickets like for the summer, you know, yeah. it's just crazy how expensive it is, right? So if I have a bunch of points and I'll, I want to be able to easily offer that to somebody else today, that's not really that conducive. In fact, they they prevent you from doing that, right? right? right. They, yes. they really want Joe to only use that uh, those points. Um, so it's about, for me, it's about transparency. It's about um, being able to move that value easily across my loyalty programs and and then when there is something cool to do, uh, I want to be able to uh, kind of leverage my the fact that I've been loyal to that brand. I want to be able to leverage that easily. And, uh, you know, I think with uh, Web3, really, that opens up the spectrum for how I get rewarded as a loyal customer of United or Marriott um, in a much different way that, than today. So uh, that's really, I think, what I'm really excited about is... is what it does to the loyalty uh, business and all the experiences that um, become much easier to be able to deliver to uh, to the real fans. 
That's very that's very interesting, and and I hopefully does uh, the DeFi people listening don't take that the wrong way and start you know implementing craziness because I I have a lot of points too, and I used it for my honeymoon recently, and I could just imagine like what would happen if the DeFi people came in. I'm not not necessarily a bad thing, but you know you're allowed to stake your Marriott points, you know you're allowed to gain massive APR on it, you know with uh, a lot of looping and whatnot. So that's cool staking staking United points. I love <laughs> that, that. Amazing, right? That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, so that those thoughts came in my head because I've been in the cryptocurrency space, also and did some degenerate moves, <laughs> some uh, uh, staking <laughs> mechanisms. But that'd be very fascinating to see how people would gamify you know, loyalty points because, like you said, it's an asset. It's it truly is. I, I I have people in Web two that has actually sold the services that you're mentioning in the Bay. So they it's kind of a, a, a white glove, you know, concierge service. Yeah. But they'll book it for you, yeah. right? So they they you know they they have, but it would be way easier with blockchain. It would be way easier, and then you could input some um, degenerate DeFi protocols in, in there. Uh, to your point, Craig. Um, yeah, the brands that are don't even know, you know. Kind of how to reward your users and whatnot, or, or even competition. Um, no more targeted data, and I've seen this in the NFT space because I've tried to collect everything, which no one should try to do. Is that it's very easy to tell who the top holders are through the blockchain. Like, hey, here's the top 100 orders of Board Eight Block. Uh, I'm sorry, Board Eight Yacht Club, and you know they would just get airdropped free things all the time. So like that's why people love Board Eight Yacht Club because they just get free stuff all the time, and it's so easy to see it on a blockchain. And to your point, you know they could just bypass Google and. If you're a top holder of XYZ or Ronaldo or LeBron James, they can very easily see down a blockchain and kind of tear, kind of try to pull you, you know, if you're Coca-Cola, trying to pull you to Pepsi because we know who the top Coca-Cola drinker is or the purchaser of that. So we can see who the most loyal Coca-Cola people and kind of like how, um, you know, um, I forgot the guy's name, but um, he went from T-Mobile to Sprint. Uh, he was like the... Uh, oh, the uh, can the, you hear me guy now? Can you hear me now guy? <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> kind of pulled, but in a, in a much more, you know, accurate way, I would say, direct to the consumers and, mm -hmm. um, you know, kind of providing them um, services. Well, it's this has been a very interesting conversation. What What's next for uh, Super Mojo? What's like the next iteration? What are you guys working on? Are you guys going to launch your own NFT project? So we probably probably won't launch our our, our own project um, but what where I where I really see us right now is the amount of conversations and deals that are coming down the pike for nfts that have real utility gets me very excited um, and I'm feeling these I'm feeling these kind of um, these vibes like I've seen this movie before mm -hmm. and it feels very much kind of like 2018 in the crypto space when you had that crazy crazy I forget what Bitcoin probably went up to like 10,000 right like ridiculous in 2017 market kind of came down flushed out a lot of the BS. Um, but then people could kind of understand the magic a little bit better and the building was happening. That's happening right now in the, in the NFT space. Um, we flushed out a lot of kind of the, the overhead and stuff. And now it's about actually creating real use cases that provide utility. And that's where our focus is completely. And so what, what you'll see here is you'll see accessible NFTs um, that are powered by Supermojo that allow everyday folks to acquire them with credit cards, to hold them and then within that holding experience within that custody experience be able to unlock the utility without any concerns of getting the nft swiped from connecting wallets or anything like that and so there's a number of projects going on there and i'm, I'm really excited to kind of help bring this to the masses as people interact with these things that they don't even have to know our nfts mm -hmm. and i think that's key joe as soon as you have to explain what an NFT is or what crypto is, like you've lost the consumer. Right. Uh, because, you know, 
95% of people interacting with large brands have no wallet or have never bought Bitcoin. So, uh, or ETH for that matter. So that becomes a critical um, success factor here for the whole industry is really embedding all the benefits of Web3 within the experience and really delivering a, you know, a fun, engaging experience versus having to, for the user to worry about how do I, you know, download a wallet and can I really trust this source that I'm working with? So, um, and that's what everyone that we're working with right now, you know, also wants this experience to be part of their brand. So we're going to, I think we're going to see more and more fragmentation when it comes to marketplaces. We're going to see more and more fragmentation when it comes to wallets uh, because nobody, you know, really wants, you know, Marriott, for example, is not going to want to sell their NFTs next to Hilton, right, mm-hmm. on on a marketplace. They're going to want you to come to Marriott.com and they're going to want to sell um, sell you that, you know, VIP champagne experience directly versus mm-hmm. having to go through third parties. So I think that becomes a big trend of the future, very similar way, uh, as Craig was saying, eBay, at first you went to eBay or, for everything, now you actually go to the website of the luxury brand or Porsche or, uh, you know, uh, the Warriors for that matter. So uh, that's what we're excited about. Uh, and, and the fact that also fans are going to start being able to experience totally new things that they've never been had, had access to. Um, only certain people have access to a VIP package to go backstage to meet a musician, whereas mm-hmm. now you know, it's a level playing field. You kind of know exactly what you need to do as a fan to be able to access it. So, uh, yeah, that's, that we're pretty excited about that um, and, and what's going to come here. Yeah, that definitely does make sense coming from my previous experience in the domain name industry. It's kind of like the responsibility that no one wants no one wants in a department. It gets kicked from legal to marketing to, you know, um, IT. But to your point, I... With, with the immersion of Web3, I believe every company needs to have kind of that person or that the uh, marketplace. And this is just going to have to be that way, uh, just like it is in the domain name industry <laughs> where, where no one wants it. But it's a core critical, uh, critical piece of your business because before it wasn't necessary. But now um, you have a, a business need for it. Right. This is new implementation of a, a business uh, that you have to have. And I, I definitely see that happening in. Um, and you guys will probably be leading that wave. And I just thought of something that's uh, interesting. So this is a lot of business in the past was B2B, B2C. I just, I think I just created a new one, a B2C, which is business to creator because the creator economy is pretty big right now, right? It's, it's like our kids is probably going to be creators and uh, that's like the new career field. No one wants to go to, you know, I know when you went to UC Berkeley, uh, Craig, but people just want to become YouTubers and social media experts and creators nowadays. Is that right? Yeah, it's, that's a hundred percent true. Or like you know, TikTok, um, TikTok influencers. I think is probably the uh, the the app du jour. Right, right. Well, th- we're gonna see how, how that is, and hopefully, we can hear you know all that when you guys come back on in the future, because there's gonna be so much progress. You know, a few months down the road, it's like dog years, right? Uh, so I'm super excited to see what you guys can develop and have you guys back on in the oh, future. Absolutely, we're we're excited to do that, and uh, thanks for having us on. Joe, I really appreciate it.
Not a problem. I'm gonna put the links for everything down below. So whoever's listening, make sure you check out Super Mojo and all the fun things that they're working on, the artists and creators that they're working with. And uh, we'll see you guys on the next one. Go Warriors. Yeah, go Warriors. (laughs) 